Hello everybody and welcome along to episode number 13 of the Gunas of Malaysia podcast. On this episode, I'll be going through Arsenal's 6-0 victory over West Brom in the Carabao Cup second round, giving you my player ratings for the match, and to round the episode off, we'll do a quick preview of Arsenal's next opponents in the Premier League, who are none other than the reigning champions, Manchester City. With that being said, sit back, relax, grab your tea, Tarek, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, well, well. Arsenal 6, West Brom 0. I will be the first to admit I did not see this coming. I thought it was, well, I did think it was going to be a high-scoring game. I predicted 3-2 in the previous podcast, but I definitely did not see us keeping a clean sheet and scoring 6 goals in this game. But then again, I didn't think that West Brom would rest their f- well, the starting eleven for this game, and provided debuts to like seven of their players. So, I think it was a well routine win for us. But hey, a win's a win, and a Bamiyang hat trick, and things are looking a little bit rosier for our trip against Manchester City. So we'll start with the starting lineup. We had a debut for Aaron Ramsdale, our latest goalkeeping signing. I thought it's the perfect game for him to start. And uh, yeah, clean sheet for him. So in defense, we had Chambers at right back, Kalasanak at center back, Rob Holding as his partner, and Tavares at left back. Now, if that's not a makeshift back line, I do not know what is. It's quite crazy that we have four right backs at the club but we choose to play Chambers at right back and Kalasanak at centre back oh, madness but anyway Shaka and El Elneny I think that was pretty standard in midfield they did their Shaka and El Elneny things Pepe, Odegaard and Saka played as our attacking midfielders uh, I think quite predictable and Aubameyang started up front leading line for us not many complaints I think this is probably the strongest lineup we could have had with the iterations possibly if there wasn't so much at stake in this game we could have seen Reese Nelson start when I say high stakes well we lost our first two games so you know Arteta really had to win this game so a pretty strong lineup and yeah, we've seen this defence before in pre-season where Kolasinac was in central defence. He's not the best central defender, but against basically West Brom's youth team, you know. I think he did alright this game. Anyway, let's get into the first half. Uh, I think following a similar theme from the game against Chelsea, a lot of really tough challenges were allowed to happen in this game for both sides so I think the referee was quite impartial in this sense which yeah okay um, but we did see a challenge on Odegaard within like f- the first 30 seconds or something which was pretty scary uh, the guy did come in and take him off his feet but anyway Odegaard was fine after this so uh, no concerns there now Ramsdale early into his Arsenal career was called in had to be really on his toes from like the fourth minute Uh, a really sloppy back pass from Callum Chambers and luckily Ramsdale was alert to it 
and uh, made the in interception before one, uh, the West Brom striker got to the ball. So it's good that we we can see so far that Ramsdale's quite proactive in that sense. You know, he's he's comfortable with coming out to get the ball. So good signs. Now. Not long after that, and I think this is a contrast to our previous game where we started the game against Chelsea in the first half pretty well. In this game against West Brom, I think it was a little bit nervy between the players and and I think it was encapsulated in the 11th minute where just a series of poor clearances from Arsenal, which is a common theme yet again this season, led to West Brom's first shot on target. I think Ramsdale, he did quite well, dove down to his right-hand side, made a good save. You know, it's a routine save, admittedly, but hey, you got to make them. So yeah, we got to see Ramsdale in action pretty early on, and he seems all right. You know, my first impressions of him in goal was that physically he looks a little bit small, and I think I'll be a little bit concerned at corners and set pieces. But then again, I had the same concerns with Leno at the same time, so... Uh, hopefully it won't be an issue, but I think this game he handled these set pieces quite well. Now, it was a very interesting formation. You know, it was a 4-2-3-1 as mentioned uh, just now, but in possession, basically Klasenak from a centre back he transitioned out as a left back, leaving Holding by himself in the middle, and Tavares right up the left wing, uh, which meant that Saka when inwards or infield and created a lot more space for Tavares. Now I think this is a pretty I think this is a pretty unique tactic that Arteta can employ only when we're facing weaker opposition because well we could be exploited on the break really easily. Um, but at the same time I think it played to Kalasanak's strengths uh, at left back strengths I think that's a little bit arguable but um, interesting formation that's what I'd say now our first goal didn't take very long 16 minutes in fact and Aubameyang none other than Aubameyang scored our first goal so Saka I think this game was full of energy he, he was driving with the ball a lot more, carried the ball in infield from the outside. But this chance really came from him. A shot from outside, basically the keeper parried it to his left. And Aubameyang had a simple tap-in. Now, I say simple, but it was actually, you know, he had some work to do. You know, he had to get around the defender that was going for the ball as well. And a tap-in's a tap-in, but he showed, I think he showed desire to get to the ball first and to open a scoring account for this season. And yeah, we were all concerned that Aubameyang didn't score any goals in pre-season against arguably weaker opposition. But, you know, he's off the mark now and hopefully that will put some confidence in him and he'll give us a good pr performance against Man City. Now, this for this game, it ended 6-0. It definitely could have been a lot more. You know, in the 22nd minute, Odegaard hits the post, albeit from a very tight angle. He ran on a, a loose ball again, very close to the byline, but it was basically an open goal. It was just, the, the angle was just far too narrow. And that was, that was one of the other chances that we hit the bar, uh, the post or the woodwork. And we really should have scored. Now, what's also noticeable about this game was that Granit Xhaka had so much more time on the ball. He looks like 
a completely different player and I think that was one of West Brom's biggest mistakes in this game to give Shaka so much time you know he had really good balls out to the left wing right wing from central midfield where you know it's his trademark pass essentially and you know it's afforded because he had so much time on the ball he could receive the ball with his back against play turn around look up and then make the pass you know he's not usually afforded that much time in the Premier League and it's similar to his performances with Switzerland when he gets more space and time so we saw a good performance from him today I have to give him credit for that in terms of our build-up play I think it was pretty pedestrian again when we had possession but what really stood out for us in this game was our quick passes when we had to do it fast to get past the defensive units you know when the players saw oh there's an opportunity here they really sped play up which we haven't really seen in a long time Arsenal are very clinical when they play one-touch football or, or when they want to play one-touch football and that's basically how I think half of our goals are scored you know really slow build up and then next thing you know five passes later they're in the box having a shot and that's what we want to see so it took us until the 44th minute for Aubameyang to get his second goal. El Nini with a, well, I think on first glance it was a pretty impressive through ball for Pepe. But upon replays, the West Brom defensive line was just so high up. It was a simple pass for El Nini. And, you know, we, we've seen him do these kind of passes before. It's, you really wish that he does them more consistently because he, he's a good passer. But anyway, he sets Pepe down on the right-hand side. Pepe, I think, is justifiable. He went for the shot himself, hits the post, and this time it ricochets all the way to Aubameyang, and he gets yet another tap-in. Now, I will say this tap-in was a little easier than the first tap-in or his first goal, but hey, you still need to be in the right place at the right time to score a goal like that. So credit to him, he's got a brace in the first half. Now, our third goal didn't take very long, you know, two minutes later, 46th minute, Pepe scores. This time, Bukayo Saka released Aubameyang, ran straight down on goal, and um, yeah, the West Brom defensive line was just far too high, trying to play offside all the time. They really should have just stood back, and this wouldn't have happened, and I think you can see why teams are playing a very low defensive line against Arsenal because, well, when you play a low defensive line against us, we, we can't do any of this. And we're really good when he give us space behind. Um, but anyway, yeah. Aubameyang goes for the chip. The keeper makes a pretty good save. The rebound goes back to Aubameyang. He does, he tries the, uh, you know, the spectacular overhead kick. I believe he gets it completely wrong. But the shot cross goes straight into the path of Nicolas Pepe at the back post and again he has a simple tap in easy 3-0 just before half time as well and you know when you when you're 3-0 up at half time against a championship side the game's pretty much done and um, yeah <laughs> pretty much done however that's gonna wrap it up for the first half but for the second half I thought West Brom were much more dangerous had quite a number of good chances um, and I think with a couple more clinical or maybe even first team players in there, they could have punished us. But anyway, we scored really early, 48th minute in the second half. A similar theme to the first half, there was a very slow build up. 
pedestrian almost but Saka I think he had enough of it drove inwards on the left-hand flank laid it off to Odegaard who did a, a such a a brilliant back heel into the path of Bukayo Saka's run didn't have to break stride didn't have to alter his course none of that straight past the defense with a neat flick and Saka takes a shot curling right-footed effort straight into the far post keeper no chance at all and I have to say Aubameyang was really smart not to get involved in that play because if he touched it he would have been offside so a lovely team goal in that sense it's nice to see Saka on the score sheet again you know it's been a while since he scored but hopefully this is the start of oh, at least double figures for this season and yeah now I did say West Brom were a bit more dangerous in this second half and Ramsdale was called into a number of actions uh, in the second half and he he proved he proved his worth I mean I wouldn't say all of them were too dangerous but fairly routine he still has to make them so in the 52nd minute Ramsdale was forced into a pretty good save or was forced into a routine save from a header from the from West Brom's striker I think it was pretty much straight at him all he had to do was just tip it over the bar but resulting from that corner Arsenal tried to clear it out Odegaard's caught in possession and West whatever the West Brom attacker's name was um, drove right into the box he got away from three Arsenal defenders far too easily and forced a very smart save from Ramsdale out for another corner you know it's a good stop I'd say it's like a a cricket-esque stop but effective you know it was very effective now Odegaard in this game I think from last season we knew that he has a slight tendency to lose possession especially in our half that results potentially results in challenge and we've seen it a couple of times uh, towards the end of last season we saw it again over here but what's really noticeable with Odegaard is that he provides us uh, that through ball you know the pass between the lines to set our runners our runners true and that's something that we've missed since uh, he went back to Madrid and um and yeah, it's it's definitely the type of player that we need in the squad. But yeah, uh, that's that's Odegaard. I think he had a pretty good game. He was off after 60 minutes, definitely being saved for the Manchester City game on Saturday or today. And um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles made his return to the Arsenal lineup in midfield, uh, believe it or not. I guess that's where he might feature for the team, or if he stays, that is. So yeah, Maitland-Niles, he didn't take long to impact the game. Well, I say impact. Well, he, he did get the assist for Bamiyang, which, you know, he wrapped up his hat-trick within 62 minutes. Uh, Pepe, lovely interception on that right flank. Uh, we don't see that enough from him, but he drives in field again, lays it off to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and he just gives the ball to Aubameyang. Aubameyang, if he has a finish that we will remember him for during his time at Arsenal it's going to be driving down the left side cutting back in and curling a right-footed shot into the far corner and that's exactly how he finished off his hat-trick now yes it is trademark I think the other trademark goal that he has is the is the hanging on the edge of 
hanging on the shoulder of the defense, the high line, running towards goal and doing a simple dink over the keeper. I think that's his other trademark goal that he loves to do. Um, yeah, but just a sidetrack on Aubameyang there. Lovely that he's got his hat-trick. It's his first hat-trick since uh, Leeds. It was a 4-2 victory for us at the Emirates Stadium. I believe it was in February of this year. So, yeah, long, pretty long time since his last hat-trick, but he's off the mark now. Three goals in, well, two games. We don't consider pre-season games now, do we? Uh, anyway... Granit Xhaka came off in the 65th minute. Lacazette came on. Uh, very interestingly, Lacazette, he didn't move into the central striker's position. We kept Aubameyang over there. And Lacazette played on the left wing. He, well, he wasn't a left winger in, in, in that sense, but more of like an inside forward, I guess. Linking up play gave us an outlet for someone to hold up the ball on that left side. Uh, I don't think it's a very effective position for Lacazette, but... With his 30 minutes on the pitch, I think um, I think it was all right. But yes, for our third connection with the woodwork this game, it was Pepe's turn again. His second shot that hit the woodwork. I think it was a lovely move again. Uh, chance was created from playing out the back. Uh, I, I don't think we saw much of it this game, or well, much emphasis on it this game. It was pretty slow, um, but. Yeah, we played it out from the back. We, at times, almost overcomplicated it. We just chucked it upfield. But Lacazette, as mentioned before, he was on that left flank, controlled the ball, played Pepe into space, and he's running straight on goal. Again, uh, a symptom of West Brom's high line. And Pepe, I think I think he needed a bit more composure in that, in that sense. I think he rushed his shot a little bit too much. And yeah, he put a little bit too much power into the shot and yes it did go over the keeper but you know it went straight into the crossbar and yeah too many crossbar challenges for Pepe um it stays only at 5-0 how disappointing actually no that's not that's not the case because two minutes later Lacazette gets on the score sheet as well um Pepe down the right hand flank I think at times, Pepe was double teamed on that right flank, but in this sense, I don't know where the other West Brom defender was, and I, I would say he's definitely at fault because Pepe on that right side, you know, there's only one thing Pepe wants to do on that right flank is that he will drive down to the byline, cut back in on his left, and put the cross in or the shot, right? And that's exactly what he did. He drove down the to the byline, cut back in, uh, put a low cross towards the penalty area, and lo and behold. Lacazette was there, you know, and we talked about Aubameyang having a trademark finish. This was definitely Lacazette's finish, you know, arriving a little bit late into the box or finding space into the box to connect with a very low cross and powering it low and hard into the back of the net. We've seen it so many times with him and he's, he's good, you know, he's good at doing that. So that was all our six goals. It came pretty fast in the second half. We did have a penalty shout in the 72nd minute where Tavares went down in the box, but he got straight back up again. You know, I, I personally don't think it was a penalty. It's more shoulder to shoulder. And if the penalty against Saka wasn't given, then this one definitely shouldn't have been given. And rightfully, it wasn't awarded. So no problems there. I think we are seeing a little bit more consistent refereeing and that's always going to be good. 
Uh, now, Aubameyang came off in the 75th minute. Uh, I think that's pretty good. You know, obviously he's coming back from COVID. Didn't want him to play the 90 minutes because what's the point? He's got his hat trick already and there's a big game coming up today. So he came off. Gabriel Martinelli came on. He went off to the left flank and Lacazette was shifted back into the middle. And that's pretty much it for this game. Now, it's a good win, all in all. It was a fun win. Uh, a win that we expected to have, I think, once we saw the team sheet. And, yeah, anyone who doubts it and says, oh, you know, we, we shouldn't be celebrating this, uh, this, that, and the other, I say, you know what, it's a 6-0 win. Wins are not going to be, <laughs> as much as I hate it, I don't think wins are going to be that plentiful this season considering the way we play so if we can win 6-0 against I don't care if it's a championship side a league one side any side I think we should be quite happy about it besides Arsenal don't score six goals very often as well so a moment to cherish and I think we should treat the Carabao Cup as we did with the uh, Europa League last season where you know we had our better performances in the Europe uh, in the Europa League now, speaking about the Carabao Cup, yes, we are through to the next round, the, round, the third round of the Carabao Cup, and we have none other than AFC Wimbledon. Uh, it is going to be the first time that the two sides have played each other, and yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I've heard about the club before. They were, or they are a pretty a newly established club. You know, they were founded in like 2002, um, but yeah, South London Club, so it's going to be another London Derby, and looking forward to it. It's going to be at the Emirates Stadium, and yeah, crowd back and everything. It's going to be a great game, all things considered. Now, let's let's move on quickly to the player ratings for this match. We'll start off with the goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. I think I'll give him an 8 for his debut. He made a couple routine stops here and there, some really smart saves, uh, challenge more so in the second half. He was all right in the air. His distribution as well was decent considering how we played. So yeah, for a debut and he gets a clean sheet as well, I'll give him an 8. Good start and definitely going to put Leno under some pressure here. Chambers at right back, I'm going to give him a 6. I don't think it was one of his better games. I thought it was, I thought it was only all right. Uh, he didn't really get down the right flank. Again, I think it's a symptom of our tactics. We just don't attack with our right backs down the right hand side very much. And defensively, I thought there were a couple shaky moments. Um, so I'll give him a six for this match. Holding seven. I think he well he held the defense by himself. You know quite good in the air quite good passing out and uh, yeah good performance by Rob Holding uh, hopefully he can continue this form or well, it's not really form but uh, hopefully he can continue these performances to Man City because we need uh, a Rob Holding on form Glazenak I'll give him a 6 that doesn't mean he played that badly um, I think well we needed a left sided I, I don't know why we need a left side uh, left footed centre-back playing at centre-back left centre-back but yeah Klasenak was basically playing there because he's a left footer I think all in all he didn't put much wrong he did have a very late challenge on the West Brom player in the second half which I, I feel so bad for him 
um, for, for Kalasanak, that is, because he was away. As soon as he went to the challenge, he knew he was going to get carded. But besides that, I thought it was an alright game with, uh, for him. And speaking about Kalasanak, I know he's, well, more than likely he's going to be on his way out of the club. I, I don't mind him playing, purely because, well, we need some bodies back there and get him some match fitness, you know? Maybe you can get a little bit extra money out of any club that wants to get him if you know he's actually match fit and he doesn't have to sit out a few games. So I'm all right with it as long as he doesn't put in any bad performances. That's that's my um, requirements. Tavares at left back seven. I thought was a pretty encouraging game again from Tavares. Again showed heart and desire. He was a little iffy with some passes this game. I thought. You could see is a little bit raw in some senses, but I think it'll come at time. He he's pretty quick and he's got a good cross on him. So if he keeps on with this trajectory and he keeps improving, he's gonna be a pretty good left back for us. So seven for me. Shaka, I'll give him a seven as well. I thought it was a pretty good granite Shaka game. I'd give him a I'll give him an eight if you know he made an assist or anything, but his passing was pretty on point. He didn't have any Shaka moments, he tackled well. And yeah, seven. Pretty good. But at the same time you expect that when you get so much time on the ball as he did. El Nenny, a seven as well. I don't think he did enough to gain an eight, but it was a typical Mohammed El Nenny game. You know, he didn't put many passes wrong pretty high percent um, pass completion rate and yeah he got a pre-assist as well so seven Odegaard I thought he was a bit uh, he was a bit quiet in the first half but in the second half he, he really turned on you know so seven for me it was a brilliant assist and uh, yeah hopefully he continues his form against Man City because I think he might actually start the game on the left hand side so moving on to Nicolas Pepe on the right flank, I'll give him an 8. He was extremely dangerous, but at the same time you expect him to be extremely dangerous against this type of opposition. I think it's no coincidence that we see a very good Pepe against the teams we face in the, in the Europa League or in the Carabao Cup in this game, you know. It's no coincidence. He, he is a talented player, but... I think against like proper defenders, he struggles a little bit because he tries to do too much on his own. But in this game, you have to give him credit. His passing was pretty good. He made a couple. Um, he made an assist, and yeah, eight for me. Saka on the other side, an eight as well. Pretty lively. Basically the same thing with Pepe. You know, he made things happen. He was very dangerous when he was carrying the ball into the box. Had a good couple shots here and there. And yeah, got a goal as well. Aubameyang, I think you can't give him anything less than a 10. If you get a hat-trick and you come off 60 minutes and you come off after 75 minutes, you have to get a 10. You know, it's a pretty good performance by our captain. Goes home with the match ball and yeah, it's nice to see him smiling on the pitch again because it's been far too long. Now... Uh, to our substitutes, we got Lacazette coming off the bench. He did score a goal, so I'll give him a 7. Because that's more than what's expected from a substitute. Maitland-Niles, a 6. Because, yes, he did lay on an assist coming off the bench. So I thought, yeah, give him a 6. But besides that, mm, a little bit anonymous in midfield, I would say. I didn't. There weren't many moments with Maitland-Niles in midfield. And 
what I'll say is I think he should really capitalize on how we don't have a right back because he can be a pretty good right back for us and hopefully he'll be considered in that position. Now our last substitute is Martinelli and he will get a standard five because well not much for Martinelli to do. Ran around for a bit and um, yeah got some minutes into his leg. Good to see that he wasn't too injured or carried a, a very big knock from the Chelsea game and he was able to come on in this game so good news all around I'd say so yeah that's that's my player ratings for the match let's move on to our quick preview against Man City in a couple hours time all right so a preview for Man City um, for everyone in Malaysia just to let you guys know the game will be at 7.30 Malaysian time so they're kicking off at 12.30 in the UK a very early kickoff and I, I don't like early kickoffs I don't think football should be played at 7.30 in Malaysia but having said that it's pretty good that we don't have to stay up all night to watch the game uh, but anyway some team news for Man City Bellerin um, Bellerin, Saka and Tierney are definitely fit for the game against City. Uh, Saka did have a heavy knock at, towards the end of the West Brom match and we thought that he might be a doubt, but all fully fit and I think we should see them uh, feature in the game. Bellerin, I don't think we might see him in the game. I think we'll see him on the bench purely because I think there's a transfer lined up for him and we I don't think we want to mess around with that. Now, Ben White and Runison since Arteta did his press conference, he did say he was still out with COVID, but there have been some rumors that Ben White might make a surprise return into the, the back line. But for now, I will assume that he'll be out. And, well, we wish them a really speedy recovery from COVID. You know, we don't want to see them out for prolonged periods of time. We want to see them back on the pitch. Gabriel, uh, again, not ready for this match. He did complete 45 minutes for the under-23s today. Oh, last night, technically for them. Um, but good news, you know, he went through it unscathed and we should see him back uh, after the international break, which is what I think was initially reported. Now, Willian, again, one of the other COVID sufferers from um, the Brentford game. I believe he has recovered from COVID already and I think he's back in training. But again, I don't expect Willian to feature in the Man City game purely because... The club are arranging a transfer for him. Right now, it looks quite likely that he will leave for Corinthians, but the word is, uh, his agent's word is, that he's still looking out for a club in Europe to transfer to. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But definitely, I don't think, well, definitely, I don't think, no. He definitely will not be featuring in the Man City game because of that. Kolasinac... I'm not too sure what's going to happen to him. I mean, there are a couple links coming out from Turkey to link up with Mesut Ozil again at Fenerbahce. Uh, he will be fit for the match, but I don't think he'll play. I think he'll be on the bench again. And yeah, I think he will... Well, I'm pretty confident he will leave before the transfer window closes on Tuesday. So yeah... That's some quick team news over there. Uh, in terms of the predicted lineup for this match, you know what? I think I I actually think Arteta might go with a back three in this game because of the backlash that he got against Chelsea and because he's actually playing away from home this in this game. 
and the back three might actually play into the hands of Ben White so if he's available for this so my predicted lineup would be Leno in goal because he is our lead goalkeeper I would say Maitland-Niles at right back Kieran Tierney at centre back with Rob Holding and Callum Chambers uh, obviously, if Ben White's available, he would be in that mix. I think we'll drop Chambers for him. Um, but this is my starting predicted starting lineup so far. And at left wing back, I think we will see Saka over there. We'll allow him to, well, one get into the team and bomb up and down that left flank. In midfield, I think no surprises. Shaka and Lakonga, I think that's our best midfield partnership right now. From there, I think this one's going to be a bit of a stretch, but I think we'll see Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe as our attacking midfielders, and then Aubameyang up front. I think that's and I think that's going to be a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, so no Nicolas Pepe. Um, reason for that is I think we will need to press a lot in this game, and we know that Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, and Aubameyang are pretty good at pressing from the front. Uh, they're very energetic and they can cover a lot of ground, so that's the main reasoning behind it. But uh, you know, after Pepe's pretty good performance, I think we might actually see him in a team. So I think I think for this game, a back three would be best suited for Arsenal against Man City. I mean, the way we beat Man City is that we you know sit back, let them try and break us down, and then we win possession back and we count and hit them on the counter. Much easier said than done, 100%. Uh, they will not be with Kevin De Bruyne. I think that's the latest news from Man City, or the, the biggest news from Man City, so it might be slightly easier for us. Having said that, still a gargantuan task, well, because Raheem Sterling loves a goal against us, and I think he's back in the team as well. Um, but yeah... I think we, we have a higher chance of seeing Arteta play a back three in this game as compared to the Chelsea match um, because we're playing away from home. And um, yeah, if not, if not, then I think we'll see the starting lineup of Lacazette up front and Aubameyang on the left wing, uh, which is similar to when we played them in the FA Cup semi-final. So yeah, hopefully it's the back three because I think this gives us a little bit more uh, defensive stability, you know, having being a little bit more compact and more options playing out from the from the back. I know when we play in the four, Shaka slots into the back in the back two, forming a back three and this and the other, but you know, let's have none of that. Honestly, let's just have none of that. Go simple. Let's not overcomplicate the tactics. And uh yeah, hopefully we can get the win. Now I I say hopefully, but I don't think we're gonna win. So I believe the last time we beat Man City at the Etihad Stadium was in 2015. That was when, you know, Santi Gazzola gave us a masterclass in midfield with Francis Coquelin and Giroud scored a goal as well. You know, I remember, I think Gazzola scored a penalty in that game uh, and then Gazzola mm -hmm. took a free kick for Giroud and Giroud scored from that a long time ago, 20, 2015. So, well, hey, what can we say? It's about time that we finally got a win at the Etihad. Maybe today is the day. Uh, I say maybe, but in my prediction for this, I think 
well, I, not that I think, I hope it's going to be, you know, a 2-2 draw between the two sides. Uh, oh, City won't be with Mendy at left-back. Uh, Mendy has been arrested by the police, so he is suspended by the club. It's never nice to see something like that and the charges that he's on. Um, but yeah, he won't be available for the game. Uh, just to slide that one in. Now, 2-2, I think that's a very optimistic result. I don't think we'll be able to keep a clean sheet against them. I don't think we have the defensive prowess to do that. But our attacking display against West Brom, I think has really lifted the spirits slightly and the confidence of of me, particularly, for this game. So hopefully we can score a couple of goals and, you know, it won't be zero points and zero goals after the first three games of the season. Fingers crossed, I think. I think that's that's the the biggest outcome. You know, if we go there and we, we get a nil-nil draw with Man City, I, I consider that a win, just saying. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. I think that has a lower chance or higher chance of happening than we winning at the Etihad. But we'll see. Uh, just before I go, I just want to say Man City, what is going on with them? You know, th this summer transfer window has not been kind to them. You know, they outlaid £100 million for Jack Grealish. Uh, three days after finding out they could have signed Lionel Messi for free from Barcelona. That's never good. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can compare Grealish with Messi at all, but that's one miss. Second miss is not being able to get Harry Kane from Tottenham. Again, I think this is more of uh, well, Harry Kane's fault rather than not being able to buy him out. Because, I mean, you sign a six-year deal without a release clause. You're just asking for it. Hey, he's going to stay there for another summer, apparently. I wish he would have gone to City. Um, but that's not going to be the case. So, yes, they missed out on Messi. They missed out on Kane. And quite remarkably, they missed out on Cristiano Ronaldo as well. You know, big transfer news yesterday. Ronaldo is back at United. Crazy, you know, start of the day, City were favourites to sign Ronaldo. And by evening, Malaysia time, Ronaldo's signing for United. <laughs> How is that possible? How are United getting signings done within like a span of 12 hours while Arsenal are chasing the same player for, you know, the whole summer? You know, we see deals like this, especially like the Messi deal. You know, that Messi deal was done in like three days. Ronaldo was done in like 12 hours. But Ben White took like six weeks to get done. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> you know, if, if Arsenal want to go in for a player, they should be able to get the player. No excuses. Just saying. But considering the transfers so far, uh, going back to the initial point, I think... Man City will be pretty hurt by these losses, so I, I fully expect a pretty angry City to come out at us um, in a couple hours' time. But in terms of transfers, and yes, I will go over this again on transfer deadline day on Tuesday. Arsenal's transfer business, I think so far we've spent the most money, but it does not stack up with the other transfers that has happened in the league um, it just doesn't seem that impressive. They're very sensible signings, but I don't know if it's whether we, we haven't signed a marquee signing that, you know, we haven't signed like an Ozil, basically. That's why. But 
something doesn't really feel right uh, with our transfer business so far. I will say Lekonga looks like a real steal and I think he's going to be a, a fantastic player. So all the eggs in the Lekonga basket, here we go. Anyway, that's going to bring a wrap for this podcast. I just want to say thank you very much for listening and making it this far. Of course, if you enjoyed it and you have some Guna friends out there, don't forget to share the podcast with them. You can find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms. And yeah, until then, take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you real soon. Bye.